and welcome to Rebel Hearts, a podcast dedicated to women in the music industry and the challenges that they face. Each episode features songs by your new favorite band and where you can find them. Come on, the show is starting. I'll see you guys at the front. episode 40 and honestly didn't think I would have anything to talk about for some time and enjoyed waiting for the right topic to hit me in the face and it has. June is finally here and for those who don't know June is pride month which makes this more relevant and I'm glad I sat on this for a bit before actually talking about it. I originally wanted Pat on here for this but I don't see us being able to record for a while so I figured I would save him for other topics that I still want to address but today we got to talk about the song Girls by Rita Ora featuring Charlie XCX, BB Rexa, and Cardi B. Just a disclaimer, it's difficult for me to navigate a way to talk about this song because I am not a part of the LGBTQ community and I do my very best to always be an ally that doesn't overstep and insert myself in a fight that isn't mine. But with this podcast being what it is, I feel I have to try my best to talk about it without alienating a community I very much support and consciously do everything to never offend or upset. So please know it's important for me to discuss these topics, but I also feel I have to do the right thing by a community I am not a part of. So with all that being said, let's just start. So I actually didn't know about the song. I follow Haley Kuoko on Twitter and saw her open letter tweet about it. And it didn't say the name of the song or who the song was by or really anything about it. But she wrote on Twitter, I believe, in her little uh, iPhone text post. It says, it's important for us artists to use our platforms to move the cultural needle forward, not backwards. This is a new song that came out today featuring a handful of well-known pop artists that has me overwhelmed with thoughts. I literally have a knot in my stomach right now. To be clear, I fully support other artists who freely express themselves and applaud male and female artists who are opening up more and more about their sexual identities. But every so often there come certain songs with messaging that is just downright tone deaf, which does more harm than good for the LGBTQ plus community. A song like this just feels the male gaze, which marginalizing the idea of women loving women. I know this wasn't the intention of the artist on the song, but it's a lack of consideration behind these lyrics that really get me. I don't need to drink wine to kiss girls. I've loved women my entire life. This type of message is dangerous because it completely belittles and invalidates the very pure feelings of an entire community. I feel I have a responsibility to protect that whenever possible. We can can and should do better. Now, a lot of people were in support of what she said and praised Haley for once again proving that she is their lesbian Jesus that we've always needed and that she was totally right in everything that she was saying. Now, another woman who shared an open letter of feelings about the song while again not saying names was Callie, another openly gay woman who just collaborated with Haley on her video, What I Need, as of yesterday, I believe, that everybody's talking about and everybody's been praising. She said in a string of tweets, every artist on the song is fantastic and very much loved and supported by me, by all of us. But that isn't about, but this isn't about talent. It's about choice. Hate to be that guy, but there were many awkward slurs, quotes, and moments that were like, word, word. And then there was somebody who responded to her saying, I think BB's tweet sums it up 100%. It is none of our business who they choose to fuck. The lovely part of sexuality is that it is expected that it is. It is a spectrum, which I know you guys know. And for us to assume they're all straight girls kissing girls just to attract men is not cool. So then uh, Callie responded 
and said, mm, I never assumed it was for men, LOL. Just think about certain quotes weren't progressive. Done speaking about it now, though. Cheers, ever, everyone. Happy Friday. And then she said, it, and don't make this personal. I have an incredible song out with one of the artists and would love to work with the other three as well. And I've met them all and respect them. There were harmful lyrics, period. Love y'all. Lastly, a member of the band Moan, Muna, Katie Gavin also took to Twitter to say in a text post, Hey, it's Katie. So this song, Girls, I feel grateful for it. Grateful for the reminder that the songwriting world is full of people that feel entitled to write about communities to which they do not belong. Grateful for the renewed fire under my ass to give us queer people better bangers. And lastly, grateful for my own journey of growth that has taken me to a place where I feel comfortable calling bullshit when I see it even if it hurts because it was carried out by artists I respect. I remember being a young, confused bisexual, uh, kissing girls at slumber parties and getting shamed by other girls for seeming like I was enjoying it too much. I hear those girls in this song. I hear the familiar chorus that women's sexuality is something to be looked at instead of authentically felt. So thanks for the reminder that we still have a lot of work ahead of us. Trust that we'll get to it. Now, along with these three women, a lot of my timeline expressed similar anger and their disappointment for the song and felt that it was I Kissed a Girl Part 2, which was something I also said when a friend of mine mentioned the lyrical content to me, and I felt that was my first impression. We haven't come very far with the supposed straight girl kissing other girls for fun narrative that I've explained in, I think, episode two. Uh Actually, it may not be episode two, but I've spoken about I Kissed a Girl many times and I've spoken about how that narrative is incredibly dangerous and harmful. And I personally took to Twitter to express my admiration in defense of Charlie XCX, a woman who I personally feel wouldn't have signed on to do a song she felt misrepresented to the LGBTQ community. And the responses to me were why people were upset and that Charlie read the lyrics and did the song anyway when nobody forced her to. And I still still stand by the fact that she, along with the other artists featured, did not have ill intention with the lyrics. And also Charlie has been an unproblematic and pretty low under the radar for most of her career. I genuinely just believe that she felt it was a power anthem or at least something that was meaningful and nothing that would upset the LGBTQ community. Now, Cardi B is someone I have been vocal about having issues with incredibly recently, you know, to say the least. But I will read her apology about the song, which also touched on her previous problematic statements and slurs I mentioned in the episodes where I mentioned her. Cardi wrote, Listen to Girls by Rita Ora featuring BB Rexa, Charlie XCX. We never tried to cause harm or had bad intentions with the song. I personally myself had experiences with other women. She it with a lot of women. I, I tried to read that right. I think she meant she it with a lot of women. I, I think that's the way it was written. I, th <laughs> I, th I thought the song was a good song and I remember my experience. I know I have used words before that I wasn't aware that they were offensive to the LGBT community. I apologize for that. Not everyone knows the correct terms to use. I learned and I st and I stopped using it. Since the original writing of this episode, every artist on the song has responded to the criticism, including Charlie XCX. But I'm going to start by reading Rita Ora's response since she was the one that uh, made the song originally and everybody else was just collaborating. But I will say that I, um, I'm i glad that Cardi B actually apologized for um, her slurs and the things that she's been saying because people, well not people, actually just two people that I know have told me that they defend Cardi B and that she's apologized and she's 
um, doing better and all of these things. And if you Google search Cardi B prior to this whole girls mess, there was no apology and no remorse or anything. So I'm actually pretty glad that there's finally clear, concrete evidence that she's sorry and that she stopped using slurs and is moving forward. So I'm actually pretty proud of that fact. I don't know if I'm a Cardi B fan after that, but I definitely think that I will be more, uh, I'll I'll definitely keep her apology in mind the next time I want to say something um, towards her that's not exactly positive. But um, Rita Ora also took to Twitter to say what she had to say about the song. She said, hello, everyone reading this. Girls was written to represent my truth and is an accurate account of, of a very real and honest experience in my life. I have had romantic relationships with women and men throughout my life, and this is my personal journey. I am sorry how I express myself in my song has hurt anyone. I would never intentionally cause harm to other LGBTQ plus people or anyone. Looking forward, I hope that continuing to express myself through my art will empower my fans to feel as proud of themselves as I'm learning to feel about who I am. I'm ever thankful to my fans for teaching me to love myself no matter what. I have strived to be a contributor to the LGBTQ plus community throughout my entire career and always will be. Love, Rita. Charlie XCX was next. She spoke to Rolling Stone. Basically, I'm just going to read the entire article since it's all about the song and her response to the backlash. The article said, I think the conversation and dialogue around this song is really important. The British singer tells Rolling Stone before the Denver stop of Taylor Swift's Reputation World Tour, where she is one of the opening acts. I try so hard to be as involved with the LGBTQ community as possible. Without that community, my career would not really be anything. As seen her... On her last two mixtapes, Number One Angel and Pop 2, XCX has been focusing primarily on collaborations with up-and-coming LGBTQ artists, including Alma, Mickey Blanco, and Kim Petras. She notes that upon the beginning of the backlash, she made sure to read and engage with what was being said by her peers. Before I go on with the article... um, Actually, Pat told me this. I don't know if we mentioned it the last time that we were together, but Charlie XCX has always really tried to collab with not only... uh, female pop artists or just artists and uh, female artists in general but she collabed with um, Brooke Candy on her um, record True Romance I, I, I think the cla- uh, the song is called Cloud Aura which is one of my favorite songs off True Romance and Pat told me that um, Brooke Candy is actually a gay woman and she has her own quote-unquote posse of people that are um, they I think they call themselves they, they call themselves uh, a, a slur in the LGBTQ community. I can't think of it, what it was off the top of my head. But we had a really intense conversation about that. And I think Charlie XCX being a part of this really kind of sucks because she is somebody who, that's always tried to be progressive with women doing everything in music and being entrepreneurs and collabing with so many LGBTQ women and just women in general. So uh, I just wanted to bring that up because Charlie XCX has been collaborating with um, LGBTQ artists and women since the start of her career. And I definitely think that you guys should uh, check out True Romance because that's a really great record. But anyway, the Rolling Stone article continues. It says, I read uh, Kalani's post, Haley Kuoko's post, Katie Gavin from Muna's post. I think it's Muna. Sorry. I just recently found out about Muna or yeah, it's definitely Muna. <laughs> Sorry. I could totally relate to this to the conversation that was being had. Of course, the intention of the song was never to hurt anybody. None of the artists on the song would ever want to upset or hurt anyone. 
Still, XCX is proud of what the song means to her friend Aura, noting that the lyrics and and story being told belong to the lead artist. I know from when Rita invited me to be a part of the song, the song was about a specific experience that she had with a woman. With a woman. She explains, the pair have known each other for years and order and Aura even appeared on XCX's sophomore album Sucker. XCX has also also knew that Aura identified as bisexual before and emphasizes that her personal experience in gay should not be negated. I know that I know that Rita's had extremely meaningful relationships with both men and women. She really does have every right to tell her story because she's not doing it from an exploit exploitative viewpoint. Sorry. Whew. That's a lot of letters in one word. She's been with women and had relationships with women. She's had relationships with men too. I don't understand why her story is less valid than anyone else's, XCX says, of Aura. Aura had been excited about the song and its story, having told XCX that this was the first time she's been honest and was upset after the critical responses had poured in from her fellow LGBTQ artists. Rita had never confirmed her sexuality, XCX adds. She basically felt like she had to come out because of it. The singer has since decided to take her time to form a response, though she wanted to say something immediately given her close work with the community that felt hurt by the song's lyrics and message. Since the song and response occurred, she's spoken with friends like Gavin, Alma, and King Princess one-on-one. I just really want to learn from this situation, she continues. I think that that's something we can all do. We can all learn from this conversation. It would be great to continue this dialogue in a positive way not in an attacking way, so that people can learn about people's feelings, about people's sexualities and viewpoints. We can learn not to not judge people before we get all the information. We can learn how certain words might be, might make certain communities sad or upset. XCX is proud of girls because it meant she was supporting a friend. I've known Rita for a very long time in this particular journey and in this particular story in her life. I would never want to take anyone's space in pop music, but Rita is somebody I've known for a very long time who has had queer experiences, and I felt that perhaps this is a safe space for me to be on this record. I apologize to anyone I've offended by that. Now, last up to respond was BB Rexa in an article for Entertainment Weekly. She said, the question of whether the song was true to us was completely dismissed, says Rexa. People automatically went for the negative instead of saying, well, maybe these girls do kiss girls. Maybe BB is bi. You don't know about sexual you don't know about my sexual orientation so i felt disrespected rexa continues by insi- by insisting that all her art is based on real scenarios i've kissed girls you know what i mean she says and i don't do it because it's fun or whatever do you have do you have to be fully lesbian to put out a song about kissing girls what if what if you're bi isn't the point of being supportive of the lgbtq community that you can love whoever you want and everything is fluid and non-judgmental with that said rexa admits that the grievances surrounding the red wine lyric are valid i get it she says it's fucked up i don't drink red wine and say i want to kiss girls and how does rexa react to the notion that the song is an example of the women's sexuality being co-opted by white heterosexual men to sell a commercial summer hit That's just overthought, she says. If I hear a song and feel connected to it, it's exciting. I follow what feels good in my heart. People just like to make drama. Now, I personally feel uncomfortable making a clear stance on the song and topic since it's not my place and it's incredibly touchy to a lot of people and I don't want to invalidate their feelings. But all I can say is this is the quickest I've ever seen a response by literally everyone involved in something. And there is remorse in some way by everyone involved to some degree. I think BB Rexa makes a lot of good points, but I think that her response was a little um, not as understanding as I would like it to be, but definitely she at least 
told some sort of story that kind of backs why she was on the song and how she feels about it. So at least there's something there. But I hope that these responses helped in some way to make people feel somewhat better. But also I understand if they still feel it's damaging, but it's only fair to listen to what they have to say. So that was what I wanted to say on that subject. I have another really big thing I want to talk about. But before we move on, let's play the first artist for today. I want to do my best to play only LGBTQ artists this month. If anyone's had, if anybody has any recommendations, please let me know. I do have one I just discovered in my search for LGBTQ artists. And funny enough, she's from Long Island. Maybe we're neighbors since Long Island is small as hell, but the band is called C. And it's the most dreamy sounding thing I've ever heard in my entire life. If she's my neighbor, if she isn't my neighbor, I hope she does shows around here so I can totally go and check this out live. The song is off her 2016 EP and it's called Ties and the song is called Green Line Killer. It is such a cool mix of everything that just sounds nice in this world. So here is Green Line Killer. down 
again, that was the song Green Line Killer by the band C, available on iTunes. Even though it's Pride Month and I ideally would like to keep everything this month related to the LGBTQ community, uh, I was taking an unintentional break from making episodes and I was hit with the most relevant and well-written essay that I've probably ever seen in my entire life. Lately, over the past few months, I've been doing everything possible to keep myself together without anyone noticing, even though somehow most people in my daily life have noticed. I've been trying to fight my way out of a quicksand that somehow hasn't swallowed me or hasn't really stopped trying and I'm not sure if it's ever going to give up but um yeah so a few days ago Haley Williams of Paramore wrote an essay for Paper Magazine that still managed to fuck me up days later I couldn't read it all in one sitting it took I it took me a few breaks actually before I could actually get through it all I had to break it break it up and regroup myself and every couple paragraphs because it was just really hard to read about someone you feel like you know opening up about the hardest time in their life and also relating to it deeply on some strange level. Haley, along with other members of Paramore, have been doing a lot of talking about mental illness this record cycle. Taylor York, the guitar player in Paramore, has tried his best to talk about it in his own way on social media, and fans have seen him try to challenge it and have rooted him on in every way possible when he's posted things on social media and deleted them or has been trying to make an effort on social media, even though he either hates it or just feels he's no good at it but we're all rooting for him and we all understand his struggle to some degree paramore has also made shirts to go towards crisis hotline and have been doing a lot this effort this era to raise awareness and be active advocates for mental health so needless to say along with this era album and everything this this essay just really broke me i'm going to read the entire essay mostly because it's just really hard-hitting and important but I know most people listening to this have probably already read it or at least saw a glimpse of it but it had such an impact on me that I just wanted to include the entire thing in this episode so here it is lifted off Paramore's latest album after laughter the band's current single rose colored boy speaks to the social expectation to be happy a pressure that adds shame to sadness which lead singer Haley williams describes as a toxic cocktail in an exclusive op-ed for paper williams reflects on mental health and a dark moment when life fell from underneath her i've put off this essay to the last possible day anytime anyone asks me to write something for them my first question is always when do you absolutely have to have it by? It's not that I don't enjoy writing, but these assignments give me such a strange and creeping anxiety. It's happening right this very second. As the words are coming out of my fingers, sure, I think I'm a pretty good writer, but it's not like I'm Sylvia fucking Plath. What am I freaking out about? People will see it. They might even read it. And if I'm lucky, they'll get something from it. No, if I'm honest, in my head, it's more like this. People will see it. They might even read it. And if they don't get anything from it, then maybe it's a reflection of my worth. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about AL. In the summer of 2015, I was engaged, yellow-haired, 26-year-old. There was a Grammy sitting on my kitchen counter and boxes everywhere from the move I'd made back home to Nashville after a few weird years in LA. I was going to get married that September, slow down some, plant a garden, have a kid, make another Paramore record. Everything was finally going to be perfect, and I was going to live happily ever after. Oh, wow just threw up a little bit. Imagine a little girl dancing and twirling on a sidewalk in a loud, colorful dress. Eyes closed, laughing a hundred feet above her, someone's pushing a piano. Just go with me here. Out of their apartment window, and it's got nowhere to go but straight down. Well, I was the little girl. 
Taylor York and I were supposed to start writing for what would be our fifth album. And I remember for the first time in a long time, I actually had an idea I wanted to send him. I almost cried when I found the lyrics in my phone the other day. Sanity, why must you make a fool of me? You've been a friend to me, now I think we're enemies. When I fall on my knees, I hear you laughing. When I call on your name, you don't come. We never finished it, but that little verse was the first hint my subconscious gave me that I wasn't okay. I wouldn't get any others until after the piano fell right on top of me. I woke up from that crash with one less bandmate, another fight about money, and who wrote what songs. And I had a wedding ring on, despite breaking off the engagement only months before. A lot happened within a short time, but then I didn't eat, I didn't sleep, I didn't laugh for a long time. I'm still hesitant to call it depression, mostly out of fear people will put it in a headline as if depression is unique and interesting and deserves a click. Psychology is interesting, depression is torment. We wrote and wrote and I never liked what I put to the music Taylor sent me. His stuff sounded inspired. My parts sounded to me like dead, someone dead in the eyes. I didn't know the person behind those words, probably because I never allowed her to come out before and say how she really felt. I never cared to get to know her. How would the same lips that said I do sing the words, you want forgiveness, but I can't give you that? Or the same person who once tried to be so bubbly write lyrics like, I don't need no help. I can sabotage me by myself. But writing kept me alive, forced me to be honest, made me have empathy for Taylor and his struggles with mental health. It helped me understand that emotional wellness and physical health are actually related. It helped me realize that I shouldn't have ever married my ex and that love is not something we can just extract from one another. Writing opened my heart to healing as Zach Farrell bolted back into mine and Taylor's daily lives like lightning. Now every night on tour, I turn around and there's my brother back on the drums again. No more denial, no more walking across traffic like the old lady in the cartoon who doesn't even notice the wreckage behind her when she's barely made it to the other side. This is what I call life with AL, short for after laughter. It's a little dumb, but it helps me mark this time as a significant turning point in my life, like a Saturn return. I'm noticing similar movement in my friends' lives too. More presence and awareness, more tenderness. I'm alive to both pain and joy now. I have my old laugh back, as my mom says, the one that takes over my body and sends me out of myself for a few seconds. And only a couple years ago, I had hoped that I would die. So that's my essay. What a yapping idiot I must seem to people who don't know me from Adam. Who's Adam? Is he related to AL? But here's the thing. One hour ago, I was afraid to write this for fear it wouldn't be enough. All I could do was write about something I care about. Expression is survival. You can do whatever you can do it however you please. Write, draw, create something with your hands. Tell somebody you love them. Take a drive. Roll down your windows and yell something like, "My life is so shit right now." Or, "What do you know? I'm actually fine today." These are just things to try if the crying and dancing doesn't work. And so you can't say that my essay didn't help a little bit. And then I won't tell myself I'm worthless. I feel like this essay can have something for anyone who has ever dealt with mental illness. And the thing that makes me sad is Haley not wanting to call her depression, well, depression, and fear of it taking away from people diagnosed with it clinically or fear of it being a clickbait headline when in reality, maybe she is just depressed like everybody else who has been diagnosed. Maybe she pretended everything was fine for so much of her life that she never really noticed it. Maybe she always had been this way and she just, you know, like she said, never let that person exist because she didn't want to explore them. It's such a weird feeling to read this essay by a person you've watched get there and feel like you were there the entire time, but in reality, you were just on a computer watching it from afar. 
We keep asking artists to speak up against mental illness, almost as if we're entitled to it. And Haley continues to be vulnerable for the public when she doesn't have to be, and it makes me incredibly proud of her. As someone who is always afraid and fears attention, positive or negative, I admire her vulnerability and find such a beauty in it that I don't think I would have seen a few years ago. Essays like this and strengths like this inspire this podcast to keep going, because without them, I don't think I would be able to be vulnerable to criticism and attention. So basically, thank you, Haley, and every other artist who continues to give us strength and show us being vulnerable has purpose and can heal ourselves and others. What you're doing is important, and you will never be worthless. So that's all my thoughts for today. It makes me nervous to talk about these topics and fear I'm not doing anything justice, but also I think it's important to open conversations and do right by everyone. So the last song I have for today is by an artist called Shura, who has been fitting my apparent theme of ethereal pop I have been playing a lot in recent episodes. She is from London, and she was on a podcast for the New York Times actually talking about the song Girls, along with gender queer, gender queer artists who I have also played, Taurus, which I will link to you guys in the show notes so you can listen to what she has to say about the song as a gay woman and also what Taurus has to say being a gender queer artist in the community. The song I'm playing today has almost 4 million plays online, and so I'm really surprised I've never heard it before. But the song is called Touch off her 2016 EP, Nothing's Real. And before I play it, remember you guys can find me on Twitter at Rebel Hearts Girl. Instagram is Sam is Socks, Facebook.com slash Rebel Hearts Podcast. And please email me recommendations of LGBTQ artists and bands for me to check out this month at rebelheartspodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget the web store and my shitty blog nobody cares about, along with all Rebel Hearts info, is at rebelheartspodcast.com. I will see you guys at the front. Here is Shura. Ooh. 